This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to the first ever series of Gosh Pods Goes Green. Over the next six weeks on Gosh Pods, we will be focusing on the important issue of sustainability in healthcare, looking at the issue of climate change and how healthcare practices are contributing to this emergency. In the final two episodes of this first series, I'm going to be interviewing two of GOSH's green champions, staff members working at GOSH who are passionate about sustainability and embedding it in their day-to-day practice. They're going to be talking to me about some of the recent projects that they've completed at GOSH, providing a real-life example of how sometimes small changes are essential on the road to bigger change. Today, I'm joined by Caroline Dalton. And Caroline, I understand that you are a senior specialist pharmacist, is that right? As well as being one of Gosh's green champions. Yeah, that's right. In my role here, I work in the medicines information team, giving lots of information about our medicines and how we use them to our patients and their carers, and also externally as well to other hospitals. Fantastic. So to start with, why did you decide to become one of Gosh's green champions and why is sustainability within healthcare important to you? So for me, sustainability in general, as my understanding of climate and the climate crisis that we're in develops, as a topic, it gets bigger and bigger. And it's rapidly dawning on me, really, that it, it really impacts everything we do as healthcare professionals and also people living on planet Earth. So it's really underpinning how I'm starting to look at the health and well-being of our patients in a far, far more holistic way. And the reason I've joined Green Champions is because sometimes I think the topic of sustainability and the climate crisis and everything that's going on can feel really quite overwhelming and quite daunting. So I saw Green Champions as a really positive step towards action that I could take locally. And also it feeds into our sort of professional accountability, really, to ensure that we do no harm. So actually, where it's quite... A, you know, a bitter pill, you could say, to swallow as a pharmacist. The health service, like a lot of other companies, actually is contributing to the climate crisis, which is something that is really difficult to reconcile where we're trying to support healthy living and treat unwell patients. It can seem like a bit of a juxtaposition to recognize that actually we are also part of the problem and we also have a responsibility to reduce our impact. So the NHS accounts for around 4 to 5% of UK's national carbon footprint and around 25% of that carbon footprint is actually attributable to medicines. So there's actually a huge amount that we can do and certainly as pharmacy professionals, we've got a huge amount to focus on here. And as we see more illnesses maybe relating to climate change and the negative climate impacts, so for example, with our paediatric population, a number of people give the example of air pollution. So we're seeing that with our air quality going downhill, it's linked to more kind of chronic diseases like asthma and other kind of exacerbation of chronic lung diseases. And actually, because we're seeing higher incidences of these, we're actually needing to use more medicines and having more hospital admissions in these types of patients. And actually, it's almost a self-perpetuating cycle where we've got patients coming in who are really civilly unwell. So we're giving them lots and lots more medicines, but actually that's contributing to the problem and in some instances making it worse. So what's really interesting for me is breaking that cycle and actually how can we stop patients presenting in the first place significantly unwell 
and actually improve overall health and then also cut back on medicines. And as pharmacists, our main focus is on these medicines. So we're perfectly placed to start thinking about some of the solutions, some of the problems that we've created. So I think one of the things I guess you're highlighting is that actually there's quite a more of a relationship between medicines and your role in pharmacy and the climate emergency than it might initially appear. I mean, for sure, it's not just about the amount of waste we're producing. There's actually loads of different ways that the way we prescribe and administer and give patients medicines that they rightly need, but it's impacting on the climate emergency. Yeah, absolutely. And we always kind of say that the kind of the most sustainable patient is the patient that is kept the wellest. So are we saying that patients should stop taking their medicines? Actually, it's opposite. If you take your medicines well, and actually if we do our jobs as pharmacists and have a look at how we can optimize those medicines and maybe reduce the burden of some of the medicines so that they're taking only the medicines they need, the most effective way like as directed. And actually that's going to be the most beneficial to our patients and the planet. So really, yeah, it's having a look at how we use our existing medicines most effectively and also trying to break the cycle of kind of reactively treating patients that have to come into hospital and starting to look at reducing the factors that are contributing to these hospital admissions as much as possible as well. So it all links in together. I suppose there's also the side of, of pharmacy that we've got to have a, a bit of a think about as pharmacy professionals really where if we have, you know, things like extremes of weather or all these kind of events that are related to climate change, how are we getting the medicines in? We've seen a lot of medicine supply issues and shortages. And actually, a lot of these factories are across the globe. So in terms of the supply chain as well, that might become really challenging. And also the storage and supply of medicines. So certain medicines are very, very liable. If they expose to higher temperatures, actually, they'll start to degrade far more quickly. So I suppose looking at storage in hospital, heat deliveries as part of the supply chain coming into hospital, looking at deliveries to patients outside of the hospital, so people needing, relying on home care, for example, and storage of medicines at home, this is potentially going to get more and more challenging. So all these things, all these kind of potential avenues that we can really act on as pharmacy professionals as well to try and reduce our, our impact and then the impact on patients. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, speaking to you about this, it all sounds very important but also just where do you even begin like it's so big and how do you even begin to make a dent or an impact in any of this and I think one of the ways must just be by starting small and working your way up and using smaller projects to ultimately lead to bigger bigger changes and I know you have been involved with some projects in your department at Great Ormond Street and I was hoping you could tell me a bit more about those projects and just generally what you've been doing in your practice as a pharmacist to help with the problem in a small but still significant way. For sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Starting small and really breaking it down and taking it step by step is the building blocks to bigger change. So there's been a few things that we've been involved in as part of the sort of medicine sustainability group as part of the Green Champions wider group at GOSH. So I've worked with the fabulous Nicola Wilson, who's one of our practice educators on having a look at how we look at appropriate IV to oral switches. So I think it's not an unfamiliar concept to a lot of people across, you know, healthcare in general, that there's a lot of plastic, but also nursing time and other kind of consumables that need to go into giving an IV dose of any medicine. So we 
wanted to take this and we've used paracetamol as a easy drug to focus on, especially in pediatric patients. We don't often use full doses. So we've had a bit of a think around, well, how much plastic and time and consumables and packaging and all of these things, including the drug, goes into giving a dose of this amount of paracetamol, IV, versus if we were to do it with a suppository, for example, or if we were to do it for an oral liquid, for example. So there are a few calculators that are out there at the moment, sort of come footprinting of medicines, which is still relatively inaccurate, but it's a way of just illustrating a more sustainable way of administering medicine. So we had a look at both the medicines for comfort prints of the drug itself and then also the packaging. And we used some government figures for that. And we've formulated a bit of a idea of, you know, if we were to give IV paracetamol in this way, because there's also multiple different ways actually in the trust when we were chatting to colleagues around how they would go about giving a dose of oral paracetamol, which is quite interesting. So what would be the best way to give an IV dose? And would it be better to use another route of administration where possible? And actually, spoiler alert, I think it would be pretty obvious to most people that oral paracetamol is far more green, uses less packaging, creates less waste. And actually, it's a good drug to use because the bioavailability of it and the kind of safety of giving an oral dose of paracetamol is also far better than or equal in terms of bioavailability equal to IV. So that was really interesting. And we're writing that one up at the moment. And I've seen a couple of other centers have done some quite similar things as well. So it's, it's great to add to that evidence base that's out there already. Another thing that we've done, which again, seems really simple, but thanks in part to the COVID pandemic, we're seeing the use of QR codes massively rise. So through the COVID pandemic, we did a lot of posting and careering of medicines, which is something, again, not that climate friendly. We're really trying to cut down on that. And if patients are coming in for their, their appointments again now, can we catch them and start you know, giving them the medicines at the appointment again? But Moreover, whenever we give medicines out to our patients through GOSH, they will get a few different GOSH-specific patient information leaflets, generic information on how to administer the drug or you know how to get the most out of their medicines, things like that. Um, and they're really lovely pieces of information. But looking at our patient cohort, this is probably not the first time they're going to receive all these pieces of information on written paper. But because we don't really distinguish that at the moment, it's part of our dispensing process to give out these relevant leaflets. We've taken a step back and said, actually, if people are used to using QR codes now and they're probably having had this information multiple times over, how about we stop printing them on paper and we actually have a big poster outside of pharmacy and we can just use QR codes and they can scan the relevant information. We've got everything uploaded now onto our internet page, which is an external facing resource. So anyone could log on to our GOSH internet page or use a QR code and scan and they can get the relevant information. So that's a project that we've done with our dispensary team as well. It also saves our dispensary team time and resource because they're not having to print and use the paper and the ink and also the time having to go and collect these places. And also it'll save a bit of room in dispensary as well, where we usually stored all these things and maybe we can put something else there. So, you know, more green recycling or something, you know, something else where these leaflets used to live. That's another kind of quite, it seems quite simple, but hopefully... It's going to be really effective in reducing our waste and our, our kind of paper use in pharmacy. And there's another project that, again, is, is rolling out nationally which around nitrous oxide. So we're supporting with our anaesthetic colleagues. So Helen Hume-Smith, who's done a huge amount of work on this already, and also our dental team, who are the main users of uh, nitrous oxide. And having a look at how we can reduce pipe supply across Grigalmore Street, but also use overall of this drug. So we're supporting the teams there to have a look at switching over to canisters and 
particularly with our new building coming through, how we can actually move away from pipe nitrous overall, particularly for our new estate, which is really exciting because that's apart from desflurane, one of the big greenhouse gas contributors of anesthetic gases. Yeah, definitely. Lots going on. Yeah. And the, the anesthetic gases is actually something we were talking about in one of the earlier podcasts in the series. Yes. So, yeah, really important. And I think one of the things that always strikes me when speaking to people about their projects is, one, that they are quite simple but effective. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is that whilst they are helping with sustainable practice, that's not the only benefit. Like they have other knock-on benefits as well. So 100%. with your IV to oral, also the fact that it means that hopefully you having to put less IV cannulas in and you don't have the complications of IV cannulas, presumably there's also a cost benefit as well when thinking 100%. about oral medication. So it's not just the sustainability and isolation. There's all these other benefits as well. Exactly that. And I'm coming to the realisation and, and I'm telling people more and more that where you've got a financial savings story, there's more often than not a carbon saving to be had as well. So you're absolutely right. If you're reducing the IV drug use in hospitals, so switching away from IV to oral or, you know, suppositories or, you know, whatever, switching away from IV administration may reduce bed stays. So it reduces not only the financial pressure to a trust, it, you know, opens up a bed, which is incredibly important, particularly in a hospital like ours, which is you know, quaternary tertiary referral center beds are gold dust. So getting patients out quicker, getting them home quicker, benefits the patient, reduces hospital acquired infection risk. You know, there's a huge number of things that actually by making these switches, not only are you, uh, yeah, saving money, but also you're improving patients' well-being by getting them out of hospital. And yeah, you're also supporting our, our climate initiatives as well. So that also comes across with a lot of different medicines optimization things that we've been looking at. We're always taught as pharmacists, medicines optimization is really a key part of our role. So having a look at not only what medicines we use, but are we using them the most effectively at the optimal doses for the right patients, you know, are using it in the right way. So yeah, optimizing the drugs that we are using. And by maybe optimizing one and reducing others and switching two drugs for one and reducing the pill burden for some of these patients. So you're increasing patient adherence because they have to take less. It's easier for them at home. So again, increasing well-being, but also, yeah, you're reducing, you know, unnecessary medicines uses, which then reduces medicines waste. So all of these things that we're already doing actually do also have a positive climate impact. And I think for me, it's more around recognizing that and teaching people about the climate impact of these as well. So we're already doing quite a lot without realizing it, which I think is, is great, really. But it's just to, to really recognize that and to drive that as a climate initiative as well. Patient education as well really is, is I, I think, incredibly important because what we don't want is, like I said earlier, that we don't want patients to think, well, medicines are bad for the planet. So I'm going to stop taking all my medicines because that is really the opposite of what we need them to be doing. We need them to be taking their medicines properly. And that is the best way. So reducing unnecessary medicines use, but also just taking the medicines that you've got in the best way. So we'll do, we already do patient education. We counsel patients effectively on discharge. We make sure that they're going to be using their medicines as safely and as effectively as possible. So continuing to do our jobs effectively as well, it's also going to benefit the climate. Yeah, fantastic. It sounds like you've been so busy as well with all of these projects. Yeah, it's keeping me busy. But I love it. I mean, 
our pharmacy department as well, we're, we're, we're a great bunch. Everyone is very enthusiastic. It's, it's a really great team. Like a lot of other teams, we're very stretched. So sometimes headspace is lacking, but actually when you get kind of, certainly for me, when you get the wind under your wings on these kind of things, you just, it's, it's really great to just run with a project and actually kind of see the benefits as well for, for patients more than, more than anyone. Because ultimately this is who we're doing it for as well, you know, healthy planet, healthy patients. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your plans for the future and what would you like to see happen in your department over the next, say, two, three years with regards to doing more for sustainable practice? So as part of our medicines arm of the Green Champions, Steve Tompkin, who is the new director of the Children's Cancer Centre, and he's worked with us for a couple of years now, and he's actually looped us in with our wider North and Central London area. So he is working towards us leading on and developing sustainability initiatives with them. So we're casting our net a little bit wider. We're collaborating a little bit wider on a kind of more local, still London, but actually that will hopefully lead to some kind of more national work as well. So we can all kind of align and collaborate together, which I think will be really beneficial. Like you were saying earlier, because we would like, you know, other centres, we would like to learn from them and see what's worked from them. But also if we've done something that they think would work in their area, then let's share our experiences and develop there. Patient information leaflets, again, we're working with an external company to have a look at whether or not they can be reduced in medicines, the manufacturer's boxes that arrive ready made at the pharmacy. So the medicine-specific pills, so not our Great Ormond Street developed ones, but we're having a look at whether or not they could potentially be, you know, more accessible online, QR coded, something like that, rather than popped into every box. So again, reducing paper use. So we're working with a company called Umaker on that. And really, I suppose over the next couple of years, I think as the awareness of what we can do as pharmacy professionals to support climate initiatives increases, I'm expecting that, or I'm hoping that we'll get lots and lots of enthusiastic new people thinking about, well, how can I make a change? And it really is that level. Everyone needs to begin thinking about in their practice, how can I make even little changes? Or, you know, I've got this idea that could maybe work a bit better in this area and it has this impact on patients and our finances, but also the climate and sustainability in general. So it'd be really lovely to move forward with both little individual projects, but then more kind of national collaboration. I think getting that national collaboration is probably going to be the way that we move forward as, as a systems change and we can all kind of align. And lots of voices is always better than one voice. And then also having a look at, like I was saying, the carbon footprinting and also using maybe the environmental impact assessment. So a couple of places I know already do this but we could maybe start incorporating those whenever we start to use new treatments and new drugs at the trust. It'd be really interesting to see if we could utilize any environmental impact assessments to form part of our almost like drugs and therapeutics pathway. So we're not only looking at finances or how well the drug's going to work in the patient cohort, but actually what would its impact be on the climate, positive or negative, essentially. Yeah, you almost want it to be a factor that's included in formularies, like an impact factor that can then be published in the BNF. So obviously it won't always be appropriate, but if there are times when you're choosing between a couple of medicines that you know will have a similar effect, you could think, actually, I'm going to prescribe the one that has a more positive environmental impact. Exactly that. Just as we look at the moment, cost effectiveness and you know number of patients needed to treat, what about the climate impact of 
the overall development of this drug and the use of the drug and then the disposal of the drug at the end of it. Yeah, that's really, really interesting and something I just not thought of. Finally, how can other staff members working in pharmacy at GOSH or potentially even at other hospitals get more involved in sustainability? What would be your advice to them? So it's a great question. So maybe at a local level, we're always looking for good ideas, extra of hands, you know. So if there's anyone listening at Great Ormond Street who's interested in or has noticed something that they think they could do better at whatever level, however small, it's just worth dropping us an email, getting in touch with us directly. I, I can be found in medicine's information, so people generally will know where to find me. But yeah, drop any of us an email, even if it's just for a bit of a chat to find out about what our ongoing projects we've got going on and you know, seeing if they want to get involved in any of those, as well as suggesting new things. So really just get in touch. At a national level, for those who really want to get involved in advocating for change, there is a group of pharmacy professionals. They are called Pharmacy Declares. And they are brilliant. There's people in there from lots of different sectors. And so primary and secondary care, NHS England. And it's a great sounding board for, again, lots of collaboration and lots of different ideas. They've got loads of really useful resources on their website to point teams in the right direction around where you can start. Lots of examples of different projects that has happened up and down the country. So getting in touch with Pharmacy Declares as well is a really good step. They're also really driving forward course for divestments in fossil fuels across kind of professional bodies as well as the pharmaceutical industry. And they are also taking a look at climate health leadership and education. So yeah, I would definitely recommend them as well as a, as a great starting point for people who want to get involved in sustainability in general in pharmacy. Yeah, great. That sounds like an excellent resource. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing a bit more about what you're doing at the moment and your, your kind of plans. It's been really, really fascinating to talk to you. Thank you so much, Emma. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gosh Pods Goes Green. Please tune in again next week for the final episode of this first series, where I'm going to be speaking to another one of Gosh's green champions, Jacqueline Gordon, an occupational therapist at Gosh, about some of the really inspirational projects that she's been doing in her line of work. We hope you can join us then. The team at the Gosh Learning Academy would love to get your feedback on the episode as well as hear your suggestions for future topics you'd like to hear on GoshPods. You can find a link to the feedback survey in the description for the episode. If you want to hear more about the work of the Gosh Learning Academy, you can find us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Or you can visit our website at www.gosh.nhs.uk and search Learning Academy. Thanks for listening to GoshPods and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.